relation to this type of rainfall becoming more common, I read a very interesting article in The Conversation. Uh, Timothy Welsh, a senior lecturer in urban planning at the University of Auckland, writes, when it comes to the Auckland floods, even spending billions of dollars on upgrading the stormwater and the pipes isn't going to be enough. We need to become a sponge city to avoid future disasters. And Timothy Welch joins me now. Good morning to you. Morena. What is a sponge city? Well, it's a city that uh, tries to reduce the amount of impervious services, so pavement, uh, anything that keeps water from absorbing into the ground, mm-hmm. and adopts things like uh, you know rain gardens, green roofs, uh, permeable cement for car parks, all sorts of different approaches. How practical is it to create a, a, a green city? I love the idea of, I mean, I've seen images of the, um, the gardens on top of apartment buildings, and they look fantastic. And the fact that they actually are practical is, is an added bonus. But how practical would it be to, to put them on now? Or does, is this something that has to be future planned? Yeah, I mean, this is something we can build into our policy. So we're always renewing our infrastructure. We're resurfacing roads and car parks. Uh, We're rebuilding rooftops. So as we do that, we can kind of build in this more sponge city approach or water-sensitive design. Looking around the building that's been done in Wellington and Auckland in particular, it, it seems to have been done with very little thought, just throwing up dodgy, shoddy apartment buildings as quickly as possible and then watching them crumble. There seems to have been no real thought put into the planning of the city. I mean, yeah, there are examples going both ways. So there are some suburbs that have really embraced the idea of better handling stormwater and big events. And then there there are those that have more embraced just quick putting up buildings and, and paving surfaces. And we saw, I think, on Friday the difference in those locations. That sort of rain is not going to happen every day, but it is going to happen more frequently. We've been told that. We've been told that for years. So we haven't got billions to spend on the drains we need, have we? Well, that's the that's the thing is we have an aging infrastructure now. The pipes that carry all these stormwater are aging. Some of them were built in the 50s. And as they get older, they can hold less water. They are more likely to fail and mix with sewage. Uh, so digging up all those pipes and replacing them with just bigger pipes really is kind of a losing game. Those are going to be outdated soon as well. So as much pressure we can take off that system as possible, that'll help us in the future. Um, a texter says, what happens to the Green Garden when it doesn't rain? Because this time last year, we were talking about the water in the dams and they were at a you know all-time low and there were drought conditions. Yeah, I mean, we, ha- we can plant our gardens with a lot more native species, ones that are adapted for lots of water at one time, and then you can go a long time without getting water. Uh, so if we embrace this kind of uh, things that naturally grow here, uh, we can withstand the dry and the wet at the same time. So when you look at a sponge city, are you talking about making sure there are parks there as well? Because, you know, Victoria Park and the Domain are big areas of, of green, but they're basically swimming pools at the moment. 
Yeah, and to some degree, uh, not those particular parks, but the parks that we build in the future will be floodable. So the idea is that they act as green space and gathering space and play space when it's dry. But when we have big storm events, they can flood and it won't ruin the infrastructure and it won't destroy the grass. But we'll have enough species, native species and trees to soak up that water and cisterns to hold any overflow. Uh, So there are examples like in stone fields where we've preserved wetland and built floatable parks. Uh, Yeah, I was going to ask for some specific examples where it is working. I mean, generally, whenever it comes to uh, the way things are done, there are theorists and, and people with with ideas about how it should be done and it becomes a prevailing school of thought. Will the Sponge City become the prevailing school of thought within urban planning? It really takes leadership from the top to some degree to ensure that that is enshrined in our policy and that goes forward. And it also takes a different way of accounting. It'll be more expensive to build the sponge city than to just build more pipes. But in the long run, it'll reduce flooding and costs and save lives. So it's well worth that additional upfront cost. Thank you very much for your time. Timothy Welch, who is a senior lecturer in urban planning at the University of Auckland. The article's in the conversation and um, worth a read, worth considering.